0: Hey friends, welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris Taylor and I'm going to be your host today. Let me tell you, we are so happy that you're listening in today. In fact, if this is your first time listening or you would just like to reach out, feel free to send an email to hello at capitalcitychristian.org and I'd be glad to talk with you. Have you ever watched someone doing their job and thought to yourself, they're doing it wrong? As somebody who works at a church, I hear that all the time. Really, I guess if you're anyone doing anything in public, you might have heard that yourself. Well, when Jesus was doing his ministry, people thought that he might be the Messiah. But when they saw how people rejected him and how Jesus was doing his ministry and how he taught about the kingdom of God, they thought he was doing it wrong. So let's listen in today as we continue this series called Making a Messiah Authoritative Teaching. Here's our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc pattison I want to talk just a little bit about this Life Group Connections. next Next week here at uh, five o'clock down in the kids zone in the evening, we're gonna have a life group connections. That's really, really important to us. If you come into our foyer, you look on the wall that's sitting right over there, you'll see this WCGS, worship, connect, grow and serve. And we see that as a path to doing life with God. We see it as a path to growing in Christ. We think that the very most important thing we do as a church is to worship God. That's our fundamental purpose as individuals. It's our big purpose as a church to gather together and give him the honor and the praise that he deserves, and to put ourselves in a place of receptivity where he can nudge us and we're going to feel it. The second most important thing we do is to connect Jesus' followers to each other. We were simply not made to go it alone. We believe everyone needs to be connected with a few other, not just a large family, but a few other people to do life with, like that group that was talking in the video. It's really, really important. Fact is, if some of you guys feel connected, but some of the people around you are not, um, sometimes we ask you to go, come to one of these things because you need it. Sometimes we ask you to start one of these things because some of the people around you need it. And we're trying to, to love on each other. So this is a really big deal to us. If you're just interested in getting to be part of one of our life groups, next Sunday, 5 o'clock down in the kids' zone, we'll give you all kinds of information about it. If you're just curious about what it's all about, <coughs> excuse me, come and we'll give you the kind of information that you need to make that call. All right, here we go. I'm gonna start out with some things that maybe some of you guys have seen online, perhaps you haven't. There's a boatload of these, you're doing it wrong memes. Like this one, for example. Screenshot, you're doing it wrong. Does that make sense? Okay. Although there are times when I think that would have been exactly the right thing to do. Or how about this next one? You're doing it wrong, Twitter, right? Did you know that Twitter was actually invented about a thousand years ago and was a whole lot messier back then? Now, this next one, you're going to have to think about a little bit. Okay, look at it. iPhone, you're doing it wrong. Now, to get me a little bit of help, that's Medusa. Remember her story? Anybody who looks at her face turns into stone, and she's taking a selfie. Okay? All right, I thought it was funny. It's all right. How about this one? Dual screen, you're doing it wrong. Vern... Really, really like this one. Health and safety, you're doing it wrong. There's a guy on top of another guy's shoulders. He's got a chainsaw. He's cutting a limb right above your heads. That's not the right way, I think. Or how about carpooling? Carpooling, you're doing it wrong, right? (laughs) Actually, this is both carpooling and car washing, right? At the same time, you're doing it wrong. Or this next one is fencing, you're doing it wrong. But it still looks awesome, doesn't it? It looks like a lot of fun. Just a couple of more. Here is boating, you're doing it wrong. Most people try to put the boat in first, right? And then here's Facebook. You're doing it wrong. You like this one? Although I got to admit that to me looks a whole lot more relaxing than most people doing Facebook. And just one more. And all I can say is you're just doing it wrong. You're doing it very, very wrong. Now I went down this rabbit trail because I was kind of thinking how many people think Jesus was doing it wrong. In fact, we still do. We really do. I mean, In a lot of different ways. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God a lot, right? He talked about the kingdom. He's the king. In fact, the king said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. My church and the powers of hell can't stop it. Of course, a lot of people think the church and the kingdom are just one and the same. And they're looking at, a lot, at us and they're saying, this is your dream, Jesus. This is it. This is what your kingdom is supposed to look like. This is what you came to build. Someone's doing it wrong. Because usually churches aren't all that impressive, are they? Or very powerful. If you want to see impressive... Look at Amazon, that's impressive. Apple, Microsoft, that's impressive. If you wanna stay closer to home? How about Toyota? They're not to get things done. Or Yum Brands, based in Louisville. And you might push back on this, but you got KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell. You can pick at them, but I'll bet you know where every single one of them is in town, right? How about churches? Did you know that there are about between 80 and 90 churches in the greater Frankfurt area? Really. Of course, the greater Frankfurt area isn't all that great. It's kind of a little spot, but 80 to 90 churches. Every one of us, a little bit weird. Most of them kind of poking at each other. It's really not a great business model, is it? Just look at Capital City. We're weird too, aren't we? Weird cluster of people gather here every single week. And then a lot of you guys come in here and sit and listen to a paunchy old man. I mean, really? Is this what Jesus had in mind? you ever wondered whether Jesus was kind of doing it wrong? And there, there are kind of people out there who will say, I kind of like your Jesus, but I'm not sure I want to be part of you. And we get that. And, and think about this. Here's another way. I've heard a lot of people, I've heard this repeatedly. If people come out of a pretty good worship service or out of a great Christian concert, and they're going to say something like this that was just a taste of heaven. It was just a taste of heaven. And I'm thinking to myself, I sure hope not, right? I mean, I'm pretty ready to go home after about an hour or so of church, aren't you? And in heaven, if it was a day or two long, I think I'd still kind of be worn out after a couple thousand years of it. And some people think this is exactly what heaven's going to be like for us, Jesus followers. And if this is what we are meant to see as a glimpse of heaven, then well, Jesus, I think you're doing it wrong. And think about it this way. Sometimes Jesus is just flat out confusing. We say Jesus is absolutely good, right? We say that Jesus is completely loving, right? And that he's infinitely power, powerful because he's the king, isn't he? He's God. And if he is, why when we pray does it often feel like he doesn't hear us? Or that if he does hear us, he doesn't care. Or if he does hear us and he does care, maybe he's not all that powerful. And we're kind of thinking to ourselves, you can hear it in people's prayers. You're doing it wrong, God. I mean, sometimes our disappointment with God, our frustration, our annoyance, sometimes our anger, I asked you for healing, God, and I didn't get it. I asked for provision, God, and I didn't get it. I asked for some protection, God, and you haven't protected my kid. God, you need to listen. You need some coaching. You're doing it wrong. And King Jesus is kind of like, <laughs> thanks for the advice, but how about I do God my way? Pure authority, even when we don't understand him, even when we don't like it. Hmm. You see, this You're doing it wrong to Jesus has been around for a long, long time. It was in the people who were walking or watching Jesus when he was here walking on earth. At least most of them. I mean, about all of his enemies were convinced that Jesus was doing Messiah wrong. He couldn't be the Messiah because he was doing it as wrong. But his family, his friends, just about everybody else thought he was doing it wrong too. I'll show you. Think about the stuff we talked about last week. If you here last week, I, we talked about some of the strangest, some of the toughest, hardest things Jesus ever said. Things like this. He says, guys, if you follow me, they may drag you into some court and beat the snot out of you because you're a Jesus follower. And they're like, well, Messiah's not supposed to say stuff like that. Messiah's supposed to win. He's not supposed to be losing these things. He's supposed to win. He says a little later on, if you follow me, your dad, your mom, your brother, your kids may ostracize you or worse. Why? Your family's going to be torn apart because you choose to do life with me, for me, my way. And you're going to put them second. And you're thinking to yourself, that's not how it should be. When you choose Jesus, it should heal things, not tear them apart. And then Jesus says, if you don't take a stand for me right there in front of people who despise me, then I'm not going to take a stand for you when you stand in front of my Father. You're going to be host, And you're thinking, why would I have to take a stand in front of those who despise you? Why wouldn't you just crush them? If they dispose you, why don't you just deal with it, Jesus? You're the king, right? And then he says, if you love anybody or anything more than you love me, you can't be a Jesus follower. In other words, if you're going to be a Jesus follower, you cannot follow your heart. You cannot follow your heart. Because when you follow your heart, often it takes you away from God. Well, I kind of get that. That's kind of King-worthy, God-worthy. One more: Jesus says they may kill you because you follow me, but don't let that hold you back. And as Jesus' followers were thinking, hmm, "If I'm following the King, why is there so much danger?" Well, guys, if you were one of Jesus' disciples, this stuff would be kind of hard to process, wouldn't it? I mean, they'd all seen Jesus' work. They'd seen the incredible power that he had, amazing storms. And Jesus would go, shh. The storm would calm. And if it was really that way, holy cow. He'd tell demons to scurry, and they did. Immediately. He'd he'd touch a sick person, and that person would be healed. That's power. He could touch a dead person and they would come back to life. And then when Jesus talked, it kind of sounded like he was claiming to be God, right? And he seemed to be backing it up. And if Jesus really was God and if God really is good, which they believed, why didn't they fix things? Why would they have to endure all those horrors just because they chose to be Jesus' followers? The king. The king. Why wouldn't he protect his kids? Why wouldn't he fix their problems if he's the Messiah? Guys, these are the exact same questions that we ask today. They still puzzle people. Same questions. Now you remember our theme from January to Easter is making a Messiah. Is Jesus really the Messiah? What's the evidence? Is he really the Messiah, the Son of God, your Savior, your Lord? If Jesus really is all that, and he really was here on earth to build the kingdom of God which his disciples keep telling us he was doing and where is it? when is it? why is it like this? so they're confused most all of them were confused remember John the Baptist? the guy who was sent to be the forerunner of the Messiah he was supposed to prepare people for Jesus the guy who pointed at Jesus and said that's the one he's the guy follow him and then he baptizes Jesus. Well, a little later on, John gets arrested. He gets thrown into prison and he sends a message to Jesus Are you really the guy? The one who had identified him, who had baptized him, says, Are you really the guy? I what are you doing? I think you're doing Messiah wrong. Spiritual leaders, no question the religious leaders of that day thought Jesus was doing it wrong. They, they started hounding him. They started challenging him repeatedly. They started trying to discredit him. Eventually they decided they'd have to kill him. He's not a messiah. He's not a king. He's doing it wrong. He's pulling people away from God, not towards God. We think he's an imposter. In fact, maybe even Satan is behind this guy, they said. Even Jesus' family, It's amazing. Even his family thinks he's doing it wrong. They track Jesus down. Matthew tells us they just want to talk to him, but Mark tells us what they wanted to talk to him about. Mark says his family thought he was going out of his mind. And they didn't stay that way by the end of the Jesus story. His mom and his brothers and sisters would be Jesus' followers, which is absolutely stunning. I mean, think about it, guys. What would it take for you to convince your brother that you're God? (laughs) Jesus did that. And the crowds, the ordinary people who were flocking to Jesus, the more they heard, the more they watched, the more confused they got. Because you need to understand, back then, the crowds were waiting for the Messiah of God. They were hoping for the Messiah of God. This was a huge deal to them, because Israel was not a free country. R- Israel, at this point, was, a, was part of the Roman Empire, and the Romans were pretty good at crushing people and just kind of grinding on them. And so some of the people were ready for war. In fact, some of the people in Israel were just spoiling for a fight. And they believed that the Messiah, when God finally sent the Messiah, he was supposed to rise up and defeat the Romans. Israel was supposed to be strong and powerful again. It was gonna be free again, just like it had been in the days of David, the great king. Jesus had the power. He had amazing power. He could heal the sick. He had fed their empty stomachs. He could bring justice back into the world. They were ready to make him king and Jesus wouldn't let them because Jesus didn't come to win that little battle. He came to win a much bigger war because his agenda, listen, his agenda is way, way bigger than ours. But in their minds, Jesus kept doing it wrong. He healed people, but not all of them. Kicked out a few demons, but not all of them. could raise the dead, but usually he didn't. could feed the crowds with a happy meal but he rarely ever did. They wanted to rally the people and declare him king. He wouldn't cooperate. And look at the disciples that he chose to be his men. They weren't rich. They weren't powerful, gifted, or holy. They were way, way too ordinary, just people like us. They didn't look like the kind of guys who would fight by the Messiah's side to establish the kingdom of God. So, is Jesus Messiah or not? He kept talking about the kingdom of God. Are we going to see it or not? He has the power to make things right. Is he going to do it or not? He has the power to make his enemies kneel. Is he going to use that power or not? He could make everything great. So, what's he doing? (laughs) And as this confusion is building, and they've got their doubts. What he chose to do is to tell them stories. We call them parables. Huh? And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus uses parables to tell us several things. Here's the first thing he tells us. The kingdom is not what you think it is, yet. There's a reason why people are pushing back and that's because we're getting it wrong, not him. And as weird as it looks right now, eventually, It's going to win. Guarantee it. God says so. Which means that you had better do whatever you can, whatever you can to be part of it. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, you better make it the centerpiece of your life. So if you've got a Bible on your phone or your tablet or one of those paper Bibles, find Matthew chapter 13. There, Matthew collects just a whole bunch of these jesus parables about the kingdom see matthew was a tax collector before he was a disciple and so he was a very literate man he was used to taking notes and here he gathers together eight of the parables jesus told about the kingdom going to be a lot of repetition in this chapter so we're only going to look at three of them most of them come in pairs we're still going to just look at three because if i looked at all eight it would wear you out and we'd go way past lunch you don't want that right so here goes Chapter 13, verse 1. Jesus says, or Matthew says, later that same day, Jesus left the house, sat beside the lake. A large crowd gathered around him, so he got into a boat. See, by this time, wherever Jesus went, he was drawing crowds, even though they found him weird because he had such power and he spoke with such authority. So he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables. Like this one. Here's one of his stories. Ready? Listen, Jesus says. A farmer went out to plant seed, and he scattered them across his field, and some seed fell on a footpath. Birds came and ate it. Other seeds fell on shallow soil where there was underlying rock. Seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow and warm, but the plants wilted under the hot sun, and because they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. And still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. So anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And they're like, huh? Good to know. I mean, you go out and scatter seeds, and they don't all take. Mental note. If I throw some grass out there on Versailles Road, I probably can't expect it to sprout, right? And, And raise some grass out there. I probably shouldn't do that. Mental note, go find good ground, plant seed there. Disciples are kind of like, really, Jesus? And this thing's getting out of control, and you tell us a children's story. Parable. Why don't you just say what you have to say? And Jesus says, because of this. And what he says is next is flat out hard. The next couple of verses are about as confusing as it gets. Jesus said, you are permitted. You're permitted to understand the secrets of heaven. But others aren't. To those who listen to my teaching, if you really listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given you. And you'll have an abundance of knowledge. But those who are really not listening even the little understanding they have will be taken away from them, which is why I use these parables. Let me try to summarize it like this. I think he's saying this. If you're going to listen to Jesus looking for loopholes, if you're going to listen to Jesus looking for an excuse to disrespect him or to push him away, if you're going to listen to Jesus like he's just any other religious teacher or some other religious nut, you are not gonna get it because you really don't wanna get it. And he's not gonna force you to get it because Jesus can only be understood by those who listen without arrogance and without stubbornness and without derision. So if you don't wanna bend your knees to God, he's not gonna force you yet. If you wanna push the king away, he'll let you find a reason But if you really want to connect with God, if you really want to connect with the king, he'll give you plenty to plant your feet on. And then he keeps going. He says, because they look, but they don't really see. They don't really want to see. They hear, but they don't really listen. You ever done that? You hear, but you don't listen. Hmm. Because they're not pursuing God. They're actually listening just to build a case against him. In fact, Jesus says this actually fulfills a prophecy that Isaiah predicted 700 years ago that says, when you hear what I say, you're not going to understand. When you see what I do, you're not going to comprehend. Why? Because your hearts are hard and your ears can't hear. You've closed your eyes. You've closed your eyes. You've shut them out. So your eyes can't see. And you plug your ears with mockery and stubbornness and your ears can't hear. Your hearts can't understand. So you can't turn to me and let me heal you. You can't turn to me and let me heal you. Let me heal you. In other words, listen, this is really important. God honors your freedom more than he demands your obedience. God honors your freedom more than he demands your obedience. You know why? Because love requires freedom. Jesus is hard but he makes some sense and then Jesus does what he doesn't usually do he actually explains this parable to his disciples this is what he says verse 18 he says listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds Jesus says the seed that falls on the footpath the road represents those who hear the message about the kingdom they don't understand it the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts Because you've got to understand, guys, that we have an enemy. We're in a war, and he's going to do whatever he can to keep you disconnected from God. Some of you guys don't want to admit that, which means you're going to go through this war blindfolded. Seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message. Immediately they receive it with joy, but they don't have deep roots, so they don't last long. And as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing in God's word, they drift. They drift seed that falls among the thorns represents those who hear the word but too quickly the message is crowded out you know by what worries of life the lure of wealth no fruit is produced and the seed that falls on the good soil represents those who really hear and really understand God's word and they will produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundredfold from what has been planted <clears throat> in other words this is what Jesus is saying not me it's you Jesus says it's not me it's you I'm talking but you're not listening and I'm not going to force you to listen yet you see most kings conquer that's what they do Jesus woos most kings overpower because they can Jesus allows you to overpower him for a while Weird kingdom, weird king. So cool. And if you listen, in this parable, the sower scatters the seed indiscriminately, which I'm telling you guys is bad farming, right? An amazing grace. He offers the kingdom to you, to you, to you, to you. He offers the kingdom to everybody who's outside these walls. He offers the kingdom to people that you'd rather he not he offers the kingdom to people that you think are amazing. He offers it to people that you've never even noticed. He offers it to people who are completely undeserving. He just scatters the seed. And then he allows it, us to respond. Some of us are like Versailles Road. We just don't get it. We really don't want to get it. We're looking for the loopholes. We're looking for the contradictions. We're looking for the stuff that we can brand as quaint or barbaric. We're looking for the excuses not to bend our knees to Jesus. And if that's your stance, Satan and his minions are going to help you. They're the birds who swoop in and snatch the seed if they can. And God will let them for now. Because God will not force himself on any of us yet. Some of us are more like our little farm. We've got a little tiny farm over on Chadwick Ferry. It's kind of cool. We love it. We've got a lot of rocks and a little bit of dirt. That's our farm. It's so cool. It's fun. Some of you guys hear about Jesus and you buy it, kind of, but you don't let it go deep. So it doesn't take much to get someone to push you away, to knock you down. My phrase for this is kind of rude, but I call these folks spiritual snowflakes. Come on. And some of us kind of want to do life with God, for God, God's way, but we get distracted. How many things have distracted you from your Jesus following? You let your job, you let a person, you let stuff, you let anything become the focus of your life rather than Jesus. And anytime anything else becomes the focus, we drift and we lose. And Jesus says, but sometimes we're receptive. And when you let God in, when you let him in, because for now he let you keep him out. When you let him in, God works wonders, 30, 60, 100 fold. What a promise. So, you want to know why his kingdom looks so weird? Because he's a different kind of king. He invites every single one of us, but he refuses to force any of us yet Because he values our love more than he demands our obedience. So now it's on you. Right now he's gentle. He whispers. Now he just scatters the seed indiscriminately. Because he wants you to choose him. Just like he has already chosen you. That's parable one. There's two more, but I'm going to move through these really, really fast. Second one tells us this, if you do choose them, you're going to win. You're going to win. Guarantee it. Matthew, down in verse 31, verse, uh, chapter 13, 31, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. It's funny what scholars fight about. They even fight about what kind of mustard seed it was. <laughs> I have read articles on it. It's cool. Well, for the weirdest of the weird among you, most scholars think that Jesus was talking about the brassica nigra. You've been wondering that, right? Black mustard, really common back then in Israel. Little, little tiny seed, pretty good sized bush, which is like the kingdom of God. Looks pretty tiny right now, looks pretty puny right now. Not what they expected. They expected the Messiah to come in and launch something huge, something big. He was a king. He's going to bring armies, seals, Delta Force, rangers, right? He's going to bring in something huge. They're going to kick Roman tail. Everything's going to be right in Israel. The whole world is going to look and swoon. Not the kind of kingdom Jesus came to build. It's not the kind of king he is. He's the kind of king who would choose a cross for a throne, who would choose a bunch of peasants for his generals. He didn't come to force himself on people yet. He casts his grace indiscriminately and he says, Choose. Choose. And it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or powerful or the kind of people that others have never noticed. It doesn't matter whether you're one of the beautiful people or somebody that looks like the rest of us. You can choose him. He gives you that ability. And when you do, he's going to win. And if you're Jesus following, you're going to win. One more little parable, real tiny, end of the chapter. Verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who's on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered one pearl of immense value, he sells everything that he has and buys it. Hmm. It's not too hard to figure out. Let me ask you a question. Is it a sacrifice to give up something worth little for something that's worth a lot. Is that a sacrifice? I'll tell you what, I'll sacrifice right now. I will give you a one for every 20 you've got, right? What kind of a sacrifice is that? How about this one? This is a little bit better. I've got a two thousand eight hundred Honda Ridgeline. Love that truck. 185,000 miles, it's been my favorite vehicle I've ever owned, right? But right now, I will make a sacrifice. I will swap you right now for your 2019 Ford F-250 Lariat, crew cab, 4x4. Right? Right now. I'll make the sacrifice. I'm that kind of guy. In fact, I'll even throw in a tank of gas. Is it a sacrifice to give up something that is worth way less for something that's worth way more? Is it? Is it going to cost you to be a Jesus follower? Is it? You may have to stop doing some things that you like that are in reality, messing up your life. Poor you. You may have to start doing some things that will, in reality, make your life a lot better. How sad. You may have to put Almighty God, the creator of the universe, in front of your hobbies, your work, your family, and yourselves. Oh gee, sounds oppressive. You might even get a little bit of ostracism, maybe some derision, maybe even some physical pain for his kingdom, for eternal life. Poor you. Listen, guys, putting Jesus first is not counterintuitive. It is not counterproductive. The only thing you really have to sacrifice to be a Jesus follower is your stubbornness and your pride. This guy discovers a pearl of immense value, so he sells everything that he has to purchase it. No kidding. No kidding. That's not heroic. That's smart. Guys, it's easy for us to lose our perspective. We look at God and say, you're doing it wrong. What that really is, is an attack on his wisdom, on his goodness, on his power. It's an attack on his authority. We say things like, you did it wrong when you invented this church thing. You get it wrong and you refuse to take my advice, king. You won't heal the people I ask you to heal. You won't fix the problems that I ask you to fix. You won't the people that I love so much you keep getting it wrong when you keep scattering this seed on the roads and on the rocks and on the thorns and why do you tolerate the enemy when he does all of his mischief why don't you just crush satan right now and eliminate his threat you can this indiscriminate grace it's crazy king You keep getting it wrong. Why don't you just force yourself on those when they're pushing you away, the people that I love? And Jesus kind of says, no, I'm not doing it wrong. Why don't you let me be your king? Why don't you let me be God? Maybe my agenda is way bigger than yours. And maybe because of that, for now, I'll just pay for your sins and keep on nudging you gently for now I love what Jesus says at the end of this chapter verse 51 what's even funnier is our answer to him Jesus says do you understand these things (laughs) and they're looking at him and say yeah yeah we get it we understand yeah right someday they will and someday we will but listen guys do not let your expectations of god don't let your myths and your fantasies about what kind of god you think he should be cause you to miss the real god he's not doing it wrong we just don't get it yet someday we will someday we're going to discover that god is really really big and really really good and really really smart and someday every single knee is going to bow And every single tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you believe that? Let me pray. Father, we get confused sometimes because you don't play by our rules. And if we had the humility just to be patient and to bend our knees and to be faithful, we'd realize that you're so good. You're so wise. Forgive us when we push back. Forgive us when we get annoyed over things we just don't understand. And Father, there are people in this room right now that need to reconnect with you. Perhaps some of their annoyance, some of their frustration has pushed you away. Give us the wisdom to give ourselves back to you. And there are people in this room, Lord, that have never made you the king of their life. You've left that choice to us. I pray that if they're facing that spot right now, that they will have the courage, the wisdom to do the right thing. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.